for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This, well, this is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 392 of This Old Marketing for Friday, September 8th. 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, my friend, my colleague, my pal, and maybe a guy only second to me in terms of excitement for this week's NFL opening weekend. Yes, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I'm very excited. Maybe not as excited as you. you, I, I am super excited. I am like, ah. And I got so excited because I watched the last episode of Hard Knocks. I see you posted and, something on LinkedIn about uh, this. It like it's, you got a little misty. I did, actually. I did get a little misty. Oh, yeah. Why don't it was, you fill us in on what happened? So at the very end, so it's, 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 they're doing Hard Knocks Smart this year. They're, they're not stringing it out, right? So it was only four episodes. Um, and so they, no, they don't have any writers. That's why. Uh, well, you know, some would argue <laughs> the they, strike, they but yeah, anyway. some would argue they don't need the writers, but yeah, there you yeah, go. Um, and, you know, it was for the three episodes, it was kind of all Aaron Rodgers all the time. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Hard Knocks is a sort of behind the scenes documentary that they do every year. And they go behind the scenes of one of the NFL teams um, and watch them through training camp. And it's training camp all the way through the very first game. And meaning up until the first game, the last, the very last thing that happens in sort of the, you know, the, the end episode is all the players who were in training camp who you've come to know their stories and come to like them, et cetera. A lot of them get cut because they have to get down to 53 people uh, for their final team. Mm-hmm. And so you've been following these two rookie wide receivers. So Aaron Rodgers being whatever, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers who gives a shit. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but these two rookie receivers – uh, who are both undrafted, by the way. They were both undrafted rookie receivers. So there's no way they're making the team because, the first of all, the Jets are then went heavy on receivers yeah, anyway. They're loaded at the receiver. They're loaded. Wilson is amazing. Yeah, oh, they got a great receiver. Yeah, player. and so they these two undrafted rookie receivers become friends and they're they're sort of the B story, if you will, in the in the couple of the episodes and how they became friends and how they push each other and how because they're both undrafted they were you know and and at the end they both you know spoiler alert here folks for anybody who hasn't seen it yet but they both make the team and the two of them the fact that they're undrafted the fact that they're such they seem like such good guys it's just it was just a great it was so fun and so motivational and such a great story it, it totally got me ready for the weekend yeah, I'm, and I'm super psyched that it's kickoff weekend and and kudos to the front office for the Jets to because to find re, like two really good uh, receivers that you didn't draft to bring in. Oh is my gosh! Incredible! It is incredible because you're right. Only maybe one or two, a handful throughout yeah. the NFL of undrafted make it. Sure, I mean one. You may get one undrafted guy, you you know, and on a team, right? Yeah. But to have two of them and at the same position is just is is crazy. So I would assume both of these guys are great on special teams as well, because that's probably where they're going to be and be playing. Probably. Yeah, Yeah. probably. Yeah. And then if somebody gets injured, they can fill in wide receiver or whatever. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. No, I I watched I did watch a couple episodes this year. Yeah. uh, Which I usually don't. But. Uh, I, I caught up with it, and, and yeah, the the, the the they really did make Aaron Rodgers into you know the the. Oh Zaba my gosh, he's like Obi Wan Kenobi. I mean, Lasso. I mean, yeah, uh, it, it really is is amazing. Uh, yes, but, but anyways, so yes, but yeah, well, it's, it, it feels like I haven't seen you in forever. No, I know. I, mean, I was gonna say how was how was uh, how was Nantucket? Did you spend a million dollars? Did you? I mean, did you just? Did you just, just love, did you go antiquing? Did you go antiquing? Just shy of a million, just shy of a million dollars. Uh, by the way, they have a thrift store there. They're a very popular thrift store called sure. the hospital. Yeah. And it was as packed as anywhere I've ever been. Like I had to leave because there were so many people there. Yeah. That's besides the point. Basically where it's a thrift store where you spend $500 for a pair of <laughs> napkin rings. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, it, yeah, I have nothing to say about that. We had a <laughs> we we had a great time, and we did it. We did the trip exactly the way that my wife wanted to. We took the flight into Boston, the Logan Airport. We took the bus from Logan down to Hyannis. From yeah. Hyannis, we took the high speed ferry into Nantucket because she wanted to do it all this way. And I think it's because she read one of Ellen. Hildebrand's books and Ellen Hildebrand is like one of her favorite authors. Oh, okay. All right. She writes a lot about like most of her books seem to be set in the Nantucket area. Um, Like if you go into the Nantucket hotel, she has a book called the Nantucket hotel and you go, Ah. there's her book and you go into the two bookstores that are in Nantucket and they have their own Ellen Hildebrand section with the store and merch. Like it's, she's like a, She's like a major celebrity figure in Nantucket. Yeah. Um, anyways, we did all the things that in the books you're <laughs> supposed to do. And what my, so I could, I, and I actually did, I did an overview on Facebook and then I set up my Joe Polizzi news, newsletter this morning and basically did the same thing, but added to it. But here's my surprise outside of the fact that you and I already talked about it. Incredibly expensive, probably the most expensive place I've ever been, but beautiful, totally worth it. And you could find a beach with nobody on it, and that surprised me. Like there are, there are like Cisco Beach and Jetty's Beach. You yep. go to lots of people. There's, you know, there's places to get wonderful food and drink around there. There's lots of fun, lots of families. That's great. But if you want a beach and you want to be the only ones on that beach, you will find it. And that's it true. Not that hard to find. And that's what I think I appreciated because if you're a beach person, you want to be around people. You don't. You'll you'll find it there. And the beaches are just absolutely lovely oh they're spectacular uh, yeah the, the beaches there are spectacular because it's what? sand i didn't you know you learn as you go oh our beaches are so amazing they're all sand because it was formed by a glacier and and that's why it's all sand and all the other stuff that you learn then you learn that oh well used to you know back in the 1700s started as in the whaling industry but when that was done really struggled for a while and then they focused on tourism this is what you'll love so they were the city planners were trying to figure out how are we going to survive as a island or as whatever you know as islanders of Nantucket, and they said we want to position us as an escape from city life. That's right. So this started in I think the late eighteen hundreds into the nineteen hundreds, and so they started advertising in major publications in Boston, specifically business publications, to say take a break, you're worth it. Come forget about join us on Nantucket, and that's how it started. Yeah, so, and it was it was print advertising that got them there. So well, and it's that. where it's 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 why you have so much uh, what would be considered old money on Nantucket, right? I mean, that's where that's where all the old money went, and and so that's why you have kind of the vibe that you have today, which is you know it's it's very you know. You have to wear your your khaki shorts and your white, you know, white crisp, you know, button down shirt with your sleeves rolled up and your, you know, untucked just a little bit. And the women are all in flowy dresses and flowers and lots of floral prints and big hats. And, you know, it's the it's it's all very Martha Stewart and um, and some lovely. Of that, some some of that. Actually, I was surprised there wasn't more of that. And and my wife and I talked about this. Oh before. well, maybe it's changed a bit. Maybe it's. Oh, maybe I mean, it's they're st- absolutely still there. Like you, yeah. you walk, you walk downtown the city center, if that's what they call it. And yeah. You will absolutely find that, and you'll see it right away. But if you go to certain places, there's just as many people just on regular vacation wear, and they don't. You know, there's half of the people that. <laughs> That have no F's to give, and you have, and you have the other ones that are very yeah. traditional that way, and the mixture, and nobody seems to care. Everybody's just like, no, it's yeah. Well, you. there is that, yeah, yeah. You, you be you. It's all good, uh, but yeah, there was, there seemed to be a lot of money flowing around. I did, of course, <laughs> I did have to look at the real estate values. Um, oh, yeah, and I, yeah. it would be very hard to get any place, even a shack, for less than a million dollars. Yeah, well, if, yeah, well, not even. I mean, no. I mean, you're you're you'd be lucky to find something for under two. Yeah, it's 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 crazy expensive there. But uh, the Bluff Walk was Pam's favorite 
where you ah uh, yeah that's beautiful yeah. yeah have you done that have you yeah have you walked yeah, through yeah, the yeah. backyards of I like I didn't really know like we were walking through the backyards and the the the, the bluff walk is you know where you're overseeing the uh, oh it's like out of a movie I mean you're in yeah. a movie it's like you're in a movie it's it's but you're it's, walking yeah. through the backyards of of you know multi million dollar and when I say multi million dollar I mean like twenty yeah thirty million yeah. dollar houses right. and there are people in the backyard like having lunch. Yeah. And guy talking on the phone and you're just walking right through their backyard and just like it's about a mile of of going through. Yeah, well when we say backyard, let's let's be clear. It's I mean it's they're 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 not backyards. They're like they're they're back acreage. You know what well, I mean? It's like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is, but and then they allow this area of yeah, this public access. Yeah, it's public access. It's very, very much like here in Thank California you, as well. Thank you, sir. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you for yeah. your yeah. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for your taxes. <laughs> you go through yeah. and then and all that. But no, uh, we, we had a we we had a great time. And nice. Uh, we, uh, but nice. I don't know if we're I don't know if we do it again. I really don't okay. know. Well, I mean, there you go. It seems like it's not it, when it, when you first told me I was going to say that's not really Joe's thing. Right. That, that's not that's not really or or Pam. Honestly, it's not I, I didn't really see Nantucket as you either of your sort of that's not your vibe. Well, it's it's honestly, I was thinking about this just from our, you know, this is a content marketing marketing show, if you will. And I was yeah. thinking about the power of uh, what an author and, and of a, a continuous writing schedule, because the only reason why we ended up in Nantucket was because of these Ellen Hildebrand books. Okay. Well, they, I she mean, didn't yeah. write the yeah. books. It would have never happened because right. I don't know. Pam's read 10, 10 or, or twelve of her books that were set in Nantucket. So when she got to Nantucket, she knew a lot of these places already because of what she's read. And I know it's not all one hundred percent accurate, but it's accurate enough where the bookstore and the beach and whatever. So I was just thinking about if you were a city planner, one major thing that you would do is you would hire one or a set of authors to say, "Hey." I, uh, to set you, your book here, yeah. Would you set our book here? Yeah. Would, yeah, would, yeah. Would, would would you do that? And would you do it at a not can't just be one? I would do it consistently. Sign them to a multi book deal or whatever. They're already going to write a, a, a whatever they're going to write, thriller, mystery, love story. Just do it in our town, and that, I think that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's a do. So that's a new business model right there. There you go. Well, I was even. Th- I mean, you know, I'm working on. I haven't started really yet, but I'm working on my next novel. And I set the last one in Cleveland and Sandusky, Ohio, where I grew up. <laughs> you call up the city, the, the city officials in Sandusky. <laughs> well, I I probably should have portrayed it. A, I love Sandusky, Ohio, but the way that I portrayed it because of what happened, not so good. Anyways, if you read the story, you'll know what I'm talking about. The will to die. Yeah, uh, but I could do a more positive slant next time which i was hoping to because i really how would you like your murder set here let's open open arms with that maybe just a love story maybe i'll just do a love story on lake erie that would Um, do it a love story that's the name of the book maybe i'm not a good example for this yeah that should be that should be the name of your new book a love story on lake erie but it's Uh, almost like andrew davis wrote the wrote his book called town inc right uh, which is the same type of thing this idea that you put a lot of content behind your location. And I think one of those efforts could be, you know, instead of influencers, you get well, five, 10 authors and get them, get them to start writing about your location. That's not really that, cool. Not that's that no, that's a cool be, idea. Yeah, yeah, LA yeah. wouldn't need that, but if no, LA doesn't need that. It's got plenty of that. Trust you're me. Des Moines. Yeah. Des Moines, or, right? Des Moines or Birmingham, Alabama, or, yeah. you know, or, or Sandusky, Ohio. If you yeah, will. or Sheboygan. I mean, <laughs> Lord knows Sheboygan needs need more love. So <laughs> Sheboygan. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to Sheboygan. Going uh, to Sheboygan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a torrid love affair that happens in Sheboygan. The torrid love affair in Sheboygan. <laughs> I like it. That's the name of the second book. Yeah, love on Lake Erie and the torrid nature of Sheboygan. No, but I think I'm going to do that. I think I'll, and maybe I'll just do Vermilion, Ohio. It's sort of in the middle of Sandusky. and I'll go to the fine folks of Vermilion and say, I'm going to I'm going to set my book here. And then I'd have it in all the bookstores and and then like five people would read it. Nice. It'd be great. There you go. All right. Excellent. I like so, it. Uh so anyways, I don't know what happened in the last couple of weeks if we 
If we had news, if we didn't have We did. News. We have had quite a bit of news, actually, and uh, enough for us to should certainly talk about on the on a show. So, um, and really, it's all, it seems to be, over the last couple of weeks, um, as we come into September here, all about AI. Um, shock of all shocks, but um, but we will talk about a couple of other things. I mean, we have uh, the biggest story I think that we want to talk about, um, and we'll open with it certainly is how uh, Disney, the New York Times, and CNN are among media companies that are now blocking access to ChatGPT, not blocking their employees, but rather blocking yep. the actual. Uh, learning model from learning from their content. So we'll talk a little bit about the implications of that. And then meanwhile, by the way, uh, OpenAI has introduced ChatGPT Enterprise, the enterprise version. Um, I definitely have a take on what that means in the enterprise software marketplace. And then, you know, as part of that, we'll also sort of uh, sneak in a story that came out about Gannett newspapers and how yeah, maybe people are starting to be able to tell where AI is actually writing a story, and they got a little bit of egg on their face, as it were, when it started to write sports summaries that were eh, a little more poetic, perhaps, than they should have been. Then, if we get time, uh, we will talk a little bit about Truth Social and how Truth has survived a recent vote uh, and will escape the guillotine for at least 12 more months unless it completely goes out of business, and talk a little about that. And then Mr. Beast, uh, Mr. Beast, well, he has backed a creator league, and now it faces setbacks. And if we, again, if we get time, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, where uh, Mr. Beast might be and what's going on there in the world of NFTs and content and marketing and Mr. Beast with creators and stuff. And then we have a wonderful question from one of our lovely audience members uh, from Annie Schiffman, and we'll talk about what Annie has to talk about. And then we'll get to Rants and Raves, where I will talk a little bit about what's going on with Charter Spectrum, um, the company that everybody hates to hate. Um, or maybe it's loves to hate. Or is that a yeah. cable? Is that a cable company? It is still, still is. Yes, thing? it still is. It still is a thing. It's well, that's amazing. the question. That's part of my commentary is whether okay. it's still going to be a thing or not. But it has turned off access to Disney-oriented channels, meaning uh, ABC, ESPN, and others. And then you will talk about and rave a little bit about uh, the LinkedIn certification program and talk. And you a and, bit yeah, about and you that. have a take on this as well. So I have a take I'm on that as well. Very I'm interested to yeah. hear your take. Yeah, so uh, right. so a chock-a-block of news in the last couple of weeks since we uh, last saw each other. But let's dive right. right let's in. Let's do it. Um, so we'll open with a story from, well, it's from uh, CNN, although many of the mainstream media outlets are covering this. And this is Disney, the New York Times, and CNN are among a dozen major media companies blocking access to chat GPT. They wage a cold war on AI, it says. <laughs> <laughs> a cold war in a world. A where cold, cold war. war. That's it seems yeah. a little bit too much. It's a li- well, it is CNN. I mean, let's let's be honest. It is CNN. Maybe that uh, was written by uh, Chat GPT. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so the article opens up and says, "While a shot has yet to be fired in a world where some of the nation's largest newsrooms <laughs> are actively taking defensive measures to safeguard their content from Chat GPT, the groundbreaking superhero artificial intelligence chatbot that is seen as a potential aggressor to an already struggling news industry." Not too much drama there, CNN. Anyway, wow. a multitude a of, of leading say. newsrooms have recently injected code into their website that blocks OpenAI's web crawler GPT-Bot from scanning their platforms for content. The Guardian's Ariel Bogle reported last week that CNN, The New York Times, and Reuters had blocked GPT-Bot, but a reliable sources review has found several additional news and media giants have also taken this step quite quietly, uh, including Disney, Bloomberg, Washington Post, Atlantic, Axios, Insider, ABC News, The Gothamist, among others. Publishers such as Condé Nast, Hearst, and Vox Media, which all all house several prominent publications have also taken the defensive measure. It seems very interesting to me. Um, the article goes on to talk about how the archives and intellectual property rights of these news organizations are immensely valuable, um, and basically that's the, what their belief is, and that there's some you know justification to all of this. And then the article goes on, basically says, you know, we're trying this out to see what's going to happen here. What? It, what this is a this is a this is a big deal, I think, and not one that's being sort of explored really expansively just at the moment. What what is your take on this? It's interesting. I was talking to to James Gardner about our friend friend of the show, James Gardner, about this a little bit. We were chatting through LinkedIn. 
And I said, it almost reminds me of how major publishers dealt with Google. Yeah, back exactly. In 2000, 2001, where we weren't quite sure. And they're like, no, no, don't crawl us. But the difference is, and James made this clear, that there still was a substantial business model and a business rationale for letting Google index the content. Because theoretically, if there were, if, if more traffic was going to, going to go to the websites, I would be able to monetize that through advertising. So working with Google and figuring that out as, as a major media company is okay. It was okay. I don't know if they would make the same decision today now yeah. that you have zero party clicks and, and Google's almost going the same as ChatGPT, if you will. But um, that's what it reminded me of. It almost seems, I, I, I totally want your take on this because it almost seems like what else are they going to do to try to get any kind of revenue from this? It's not, they're, so they basically say, oh, block. And hopefully if we all block together that um, OpenAI will give us money on a regular basis, like a contract, so we, then we will allow them to index. If they don't allow, and so you have major, so you have, you have the most of the major publishers in the world that say, oh, okay, we're going to block access to for this AI to learn off of us and get information off of us, then theoretically they would be learning off of inferior content sources which also scares me so i i if we're going to use this and we're already down that path with ai i almost want them to i think they did it illegally but i want them to scour everything now and i especially want them to scour uh places where i think is closest that i think are closest to the truth right you'd want that because all these other businesses are launching off of this uh, chat GPT system. So I, I don't really know. I, I, so I understand why they're doing it, but the problem is unlike what happened with Google, there's no real business model. If they sold products and services, maybe there would be, but so, oh, because chat GPT is going to talk about us more. It's good for branding yeah. uh, when we come up and they'll buy our <clears throat> products. But, but the product for the most part for these media companies is sponsorship and advertising. Um, and that's that's really going to be hard to extract value from this. So I don't know what I don't know what to take from it. What do you, what do you think? Are they doing? Are media companies doing the right thing? Uh, no, I don't think they are. No, I don't think they are. Uh, I don't think they are. And and I mean, I get why. You know, I mean, this is a <clears throat> this is one of those things that comes down from on high from one of the executives who says, yeah. until we sort all this out, block it. Um, and basically, it's kind, of like, it's kind of like, I don't know about this boyfriend. So for right now, you're not allowed that's to right. until I get more information. Ex like that's you're the father of the That's mother. exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly what this is. And it's a little, it's a little foolish in my you're mind. grounded. Yeah. And, and the reason I think it's a little foolish is because unless they're going to block Google too, all they're doing is, you know, all they're doing is hampering open AI and, and helping Google. That's all they're doing because you know, Google's going to index, you know, you know, Google's going to index your site. And if you don't think for one minute that Google isn't using its index to actually train its learning model, then you're crazy. Of course, they're that's doing what's that. It, that. That's a, such a great point. I mean, people are, it's, the, they're all doing the same thing. They're, right. And even if it weren't, even if it wasn't Google, right. Are you going to, are you going to block, you know, are you going to continually keep up this arms race to block every bot that hits your site? Um, index or otherwise. Microsoft, by the way, same thing with Bing, right? Are you going to block the Bing bot? Are you going to block the Google bot? Are you going to block, you know, every other search engine yeah. block? Because every other search engine that's indexing your website and your content is pulling that in. And, and, and arguably, OpenAI doesn't need that either. They would just use Google, right? They would just use this. So they would just use Google to get the information that they need or want in order to train the learning model. So really all you're doing is you're perhaps maybe, and I'm not technical enough to know this, perhaps you're blocking open AI from a level of depth in terms of the amount of content. But I would hazard a guess and say that Google index already pulls most of it. Um, so they can get it from Google now, whether Google AI, whether Google will not make its a, you know, the, the, the information available to open AI is a, is a different story. But until then, this is, this is a little bit like, you know, literally sticking your finger in the dam when there's 14 other holes, you know, already, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't really understand the, well, the purpose of it. The other thing is too, again, or the efficacy back, of it. 
Well, uh, the other thing is to go back 20 years. It was very important that Google indexed these major media sites because they had most of the whatever, quote unquote, real content was today. There's so much, so many avenues. Oh, sure. To get this information. Yeah. So if you're. That's probably you're probably just giving an opportunity to uh, another company out there who's not uh, who doesn't have their business model in sponsorship and advertising and said, please, yeah, index us. That's right. Every one company that says we're going to block, there's a thousand companies that says, please index us. Yeah. Because we want to be found in that a- anything company. We want to be the us. answer. Right. We want Train to be, we us. want our point of view on the world to be the answer that is given. Right. You know, and so, you know, it's, it's, I mean, there's, there, I think there's some level of argument to be made here for the style of uh, feature writers. Right. So, in other words, I understand less why a CNN or New York Times or you know Washington Post does this because honestly, the news is too open. You know, it it uh, arguably that covering the news, you know, whether it's sports or politics or international news or wars or whatever it is, you know, there's you're just not gonna you're just not gonna keep that. It, it's just there's too, you know Facebook. Twitter X, you know, it, there's there's so many places where yeah. that news can be gotten. You're not going to prevent the learning model from learning about these events, the you know Ukraine and 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 international and who's going to win the presidential election, and you're going to prevent that from happening by blocking your news. What you will block theoretically are the style of some of your really heavy feature writers, your heavy editorial uh, folks, you know, the people who actually. That people may want to try and, you know, emulate the style of in terms of AI and 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 all of that. And so, for that, it's like maybe maybe I get that, you know, because there's something, and this is worth a lot more deep thinking. You know, what we're starting to see now, and and Galloway talked about this on his podcast, right? Where thought leaders, in fact, I've I've seen two other thought leaders in my social media feeds in the last two weeks say this, that they're building their own quote unquote learning models where you can go to their website and you can ask questions and the bot will automatically a- answer that question in the style of, you know, whoever it is. And Galloway saying, you know, thinking. Yeah, yes. basically I can, you know, go and ask Professor Galloway a question and the AI will answer. And t- I think the long-term value of that, and this is particularly ironic when it comes to Galloway is I think that's a damaging thing to do to your brand because what you're ostensibly saying is is that your knowledge from an external point of view is you know you're you're not that special you know basically you know so you know trying to say that 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 you know you can go get you can just get the answer that you need from from a from a from a bot is is you know it's I just think it's it's a commoditization of 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 what your thinking is, and I think if you're trying to keep your thinking on a on a value base, you want to create scarcity with it, right? So you want to create there's an artifice you want to create that scarcity of your act of access to you and the interpersonal relationship to you because that's what creates the value. So I, I, I there's a push and pull here for sure when it comes to making information available to the learning models but it to me there's 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 what the these news organizations are doing is is just foolish and in in uh, in their efforts well the point that you made is open ai is just one yeah so right blocking one they're right. blocking the most well-known one right now they're not That's doing right. anything for anything else so it's it's going to get indexed regardless and you're gonna if, if you're open ai and you're chat gpt you're like all right, you're you're not going to. I'm not going to pay you off. I'm just doing this anyways, and our truth is not going to include you. That's the scary thing, right? Yeah. Well, I. But it, it, here's the interesting thing: it probably will include them. I, you know, I have to imagine. And again, I have no intimate knowledge of this. That OpenAI goes okay. Uh, so we're 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 not going to spider years. So we'll get the information. I mean, it. The information yeah. will get there. Right, whether we use Google or whether we use social media, and whether we use publicly facing links that you, you know, we're not going to site, we're not going to spider your site, okay? But your content lives beyond your site anyway, right? Your content lives on the Google index, it lives on social media, it lives on so many other places where we can, 
where the bot can get to it and doesn't have to spider your website, that it's not, it's, it's inconsequential, it, really. Well, it is inconsequential. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago where one of the pro, uh, AI authorities was saying there's just not enough content out there at all uh, it, because it's learning so fast. It needs so much more content to learn off of. So that's why it's saying it's actually scouring the dark web because there's so much content on the dark web, is, which is scary. But it is because on the open web, there's just not enough anymore. It's already gone through all of this, and and what it's making on a on a daily basis still isn't enough because it's moving so fast. This yeah. is all scary and beyond my comprehension. Yeah. Well, there's also there's 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 also the the notion that all it really needs to do is just keep up. In other words, keep current. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I saw I, I read one article that talked about how the size of the LLM you get to a certain point where there's a lot of diminishing returns in terms of size of the LLM. In other words. Adding more to it isn't going to, but keeping it current obviously is, and you know, you the more current it is, the more valuable it is. You know, it has to be. Well, that's has, for yeah. You when know. when you want answers, which is sure. just one small yeah. part. Of well, exactly part. right. Yeah. But from a from a formulation standpoint, the the learning model, from what I understand, and again, my understanding is limited here. Do you get to a certain size of LLM and? Beyond that, the it's a lot of diminishing returns in terms of how much smarter it gets based on size alone. Well, that's the tagline for the show. Our understanding is limited. Yeah, there it is. There it is. And where or or size doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. But meanwhile, meanwhile, getting meanwhile, uh, so OpenAI has also making news this week. uh, basically, uh, looking at um, uh, oh, it's so funny. Their their site seems to be broken at the moment. That's um, okay. I got it. The, you're talking about ChatGPT Enterprise. I, I am talking about ChatGPT Enterprise. Really oh, there it is. Should, they should they should have uh, Captain Kirk like really do something there. It, well, Kirk. yeah, maybe maybe Enterprise grade <laughs> security and privacy <laughs> and the most powerful version of ChatGPT yet. See? Um. Anyway. Sold. Getting into that, yes. Uh, OpenAI announced uh, on the 28th, basically, that we're launching ChatGPT Enterprise, which offers enterprise-grade security, privacy, unlimited higher-speed GPT-4 access, longer context windows for processing longer inputs, advanced data analysis capabilities, customization options, and much, much more. Uh, we believe AI can assist and elevate every aspect of our working lives and make teams more creative and productive. That's nice. Uh, today marks another step toward AI assistant that for work that helps with any task uh, is customized for your organization and protects your company data written by an agency. I guarantee you 100% that was written by uh, a boutique uh, marketing you don't think agency. that was written by ChatGPT? I do not think oh, that was. No, I was not written by ChatGPT. That was written by a young copywriter who is very proud of that introductory paragraph because it hits all of the features and benefits. Um. Yeah, I I had definitely have a take on this too. What 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 do you think about um, ChatGPT Enterprise? Oh, I I give it four and a half stars. No, I think it's. Good. <laughs> I I think this. We knew this was coming. This is yes, of course, surprising market. exactly no one, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. And I mean, if it, I honestly think if you look at where Sam Altman thinks the business model is going for uh for OpenAI, they're looking at. Both consumer and the business market. They're looking at Amazon. They're, yes. lo- they're looking at the Amazon model. And what Amazon did with Amazon.com and AWS is beyond amazing. AWS, one of the biggest, if not the biggest B2B organization on the planet. A lot of people don't realize that. That's really the value and profitability behind Amazon. That's and right. And I think you're going to see the same thing here. You get little chat GPT out to the consumers all over the place. You get millions of users. Great, great, great. But the money itself will come from enterprise. And this is where the core product will, will be long term, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, here's what did surprise me is that the way that they're positioning this um, a, I think, well, first of all, Sam Altman has said himself that he they need to make money, right? They need they they need to make revenue, and he believes that an enterprise grade uh, platform like this. I'm surprised that they actually didn't go uh, initially, at least, into the AWS kind of model rather than sort of a uh, direct to business to business 
um, sort of, in other words, you know, sort of AWS is arguably B2B to B. In other words, I'm selling to the Twitters and I'm selling to the VMwares and I'm selling to the enablers uh, businesses to create a platform by which you give your services, right? You know, the, the classic, you know, we're renting land, basically, um, which is what AWS really does so an enormously well, it just becomes literally the foundation, the platform by which all the other ecosystems uh, are built, which is a much less risky business than because you build any kind of business you want, whether it's marketing or MarTech or ad tech or, you know, privacy security. I mean, just think of the entire technology stack that's delivered via AWS. And, and it's that kind of business. And this, to me, was going to be a similar thing. But what they did instead, at least um, initially here is to go right to the B2B, right? To go and sort of become a competitor to all the smaller companies that have arisen in the last six months to become, you know, that are just ostensibly UI wrappers around ChatGPT, you know, the ones that'll write your ad copy for you and do all these things. And so they're, they're immediately jumping into the competitive pool, which spells trouble for a lot of these younger companies that have literally just launched in the last six months and are ostensibly just wrappers around, um, uh, you know, around ChatGPT. The so, open source, yeah, open source yeah. ChatGPT, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and so basically, you, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that market space, whether or not OpenAI can actually compete in that. Um, because that is literally a, you know, you know, why go for this when you can get the real thing, you know, you don't have to go through an, uh, you know, intermediary, you can go right to the, you know, right to the horse's trough, as it were, and drink right from here. And you get, you know, the original, you know, the original open AIs, chat GPT, sure. the features are ridiculous, but that, but the features in most of these businesses at this point are ridiculous. It's like, if you look at the features that they offer up, it's like, you know, you can share, you can share your prompts with your, you know, through chat, you know, literally you can chat with your peers through, it's like, is that a, is that needed? Like, is that, it's not like a core feature, right? You know, it's like when you start thinking about the core features of workflow and getting into this, this is so new for most businesses, nobody knows, you know, and so they've, honed in on the one thing that they do know is a big issue right now, which is, of course, is privacy and protection of your data. But it's interesting because one of the major features is, of course, that you can customize, you can open it up and basically have your, you know, if you want to go through their API and do all that, you can actually build your own sort of customized learning model on the backside of things if you have that technical horsepower. I think for a large so. company, yeah, for a large company, that is pretty valuable stuff and there's a lot of internet maybe. that already do this no yeah, i mean if, well maybe. i mean you you know better than most the 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 number of companies that have so much content going out there internally they have no idea how to find it how to share it internally well that's it i mean that's but that's exactly you, it with, yeah but if you create something and this can do that and say okay well i need to know this where the heck is it we, nobody knows but you 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 build this thing you use chat gpt internally to build this thing as the most powerful internal communications tool, at least from a well, that's the opportunity. Game. Yes, uh, largely speaking, I think that's much the much more interesting opportunity is I think, to don't you harness. Think this is where that that's this is where that's leading, though, right? Uh, well, it, it, it's interesting because yes, I think it's where it's leading, but it's not where they're it's not where they say they're going, right? I mean. All of these companies, to some extent, are leaning into the whole. Even them, right? With their with the features that they that they mention at the top, right? Make teams more creative and productive, right? Which is the that's the leading benefit statement for almost every one of these generative AI companies. It's basically sure. help your team create more stuff, right? Automatically, right? You know, to create all this wonderful Do stuff. Do more with less. Do more with less, right? Is the whole idea. It's not the more nuanced conversation of how do you enable your team to manage knowledge better and become better at what it is they're doing, which is you know, if you if you sort of look at the different ways that you know the the debates, if you will, on online, you know, on social media, it's all you know, 
AI helps me be more of me. It helps me be more of who I am and enhance my talents and do all those kinds of things. I'm like, saying yeah. it out there. You know, a lot of people are saying it like that out there. And then other people are saying, no, I can, you know, I can feed it a headline and have it create 67 different headlines for A-B testing. Well, great. That's lovely. That's wonderful. But the more valuable thing to a business is exactly what you're talking about, I think, which is enhancing knowledge management, right? Which is enhancing the internal knowledge of the institution of the business and organizing it and finding the patterns for unstructured knowledge in the business and giving you a better access to it. That's not what's getting promised here well, by most of these companies. To sell. Totally. Very totally. It's a hard buying, sell. Different people are buying that. I at the totally get it. Too. Yep. That's the, that's the, you know, I mean, I lived this, right, with content management, web content sure. management in the early 2000s, enterprise web content management. The benefit statement, the real benefit statement was get and harness every single word that your business says in the enterprise, every document, every web page, every email, every piece of content, get your arms around it, put workflow behind it, put organization behind it. That was the, that's the real benefit, but nobody wanted to hear that. Nobody wanted to hear that. What people wanted to hear was, "We make it easy for business users to update your web page." You know, that's what that's what they that's what they wanted to hear. That's what they bought. And so it's a it's a really interesting time right now for enterprise technology in this space to see what the real benefits will be versus what is promised. I yes. I kind of went on a rant. I kind of went on a rant there. Sorry, I, I went on a little no, bit of a rant. Well, you should. You you have a, a, a long and noteworthy history when it comes to knowledge management. So you, I, I'm gonna wherever you're going with this, I'm I'm gonna pay attention. To you. <laughs> where, where I'm going with That's that that was that was that was folks. That was Joe Polizzi ease for. Move the hell on because I am bored. That's what that was. That was that was what that that was. Hey, listen. Um, do you want to talk about any of these other stories before we get to our wonderful uh, wait, question here? I, I do, let's. Can we do the Gannett one? I think we just we'll just wrap the AI one. We'll do the Gannett one. Let's get to the question. Okay, great. Let's do that. So Gannett. Well, so this is a fantastic uh, and interesting story um, that feeds right into what we were, we've just been talking about for the last twenty minutes which is the headline comes from the Washington Post, which is kind of ironic given where Gannett is located, but um, very funny. Um, the Washington Post, uh, the headline for Gannett, Gannett, by the way, is in Washington, D.C., or just on the other side of the river in northern yeah. Virginia, but okay. Uh, Gannett halts AI-written sports recaps after readers mocked the stories. Uh, reading Readers visiting the Columbus Dispatch's high school sports section to catch up with their team might have encountered a new sports writer with a prolific byline and an odd way with words. The writer dubbed a football game between Central Ohio's Westerville North and Westerville Central a close encounter of the athletic kind. Another story about a game between the Wyoming Cowboys and Ross Rams described a scoreboard that was in hibernation in the fourth quarter. And then when Ayersville High School staged a late comeback, another game, a write-up in their win read, the pilots avoided the breaks and shifted into victory gear. The articles weren't written by a reporter, <laughs> but by Lead AI, an artificial intelligence company that uses game scores to generate automated sports recaps for newsrooms. Lead AI stories in the dispatch, which generally provided the outcomes of the high school games and the scoring after every period of play, were blasted on social media as having a stilted tone and using bizarre turns of phrase. The mockery appears to have had an impact. Gannett halted the use of Lead AI to write sports stories, uh, Axios reported on Monday. And then basically that goes on to say, oh, yeah, we, we, we stopped doing that. Yeah, that's not good. So uh, what, do you, what, what do you think about this? I mean, you, this, is your, this is your world. Um, I, I guess my take on this is this is just a temporary thing. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God, shocked and appalled yes. that computers are writing these stories. I mean, that's most content out there. Uh, that's right. Surprise again. Uh, so, okay, they got caught a little bit of repetition. Yeah, there was a, this article is interesting because if you type in some of these phrases that you talked about, they're used in content, sports content everywhere. And lead AI is sort of replicating some of this as they go. Um, all right. So what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to get some human proofreaders. There, there's nothing wrong with the service. The service works. People thought it was kind of interesting the way that it was couched. So they're not using real solid human proofreaders, to, which is what they should be doing. 
They should yeah. be taking the that's AI right. content and running it through a human eye. And that's the missing step. You don't have to pull down the process because you are too cheap and don't want to hire, hire a human proofreader. That's what you should be doing. That's right. Long story short, in a year, we won't know the difference again. We're so close. This is a lot. We... This is the, I, Paul Ratzer says this all the time. The current version of AI that's out right now is the dumbest version of AI we will ever see. In six months, it's going to be 10 times better. And in six months, it's going to be 10 times better than that version. So just, you know, okay. That's, oh my God. Yeah. Well, you can, nobody's writing AI content in my sports pages. This is yeah. incredibly difficult for me to handle. Yeah. Well, this is something, it's interesting. Uh, I think you're right, by the way, and I think Paul is right, um, and, you know, in terms of how much better it will be. But you can see this. So there's two related topics to this, uh, one of which we could have covered as its own story here, which is how much, quote unquote, dumber ChatGPT has gotten over the last, uh, uh, the last few months. Um, which, you know, there's a whole thing about drift and there's a whole thing about, there's a, there's a lot, to, there's so much going on in AI right now to, to talk about. But, but what I wanted to say was I've seen this even in my own workings. Like I work every day now with, with chat GPT or similar types of technologies. And one of the things that I've noticed is if I say rewrite this in a clever way, right? It's interesting how the AI defines clever, the word clever. Because what it typically does is it starts to add in all these like, you know, dad joke sort of level, um, you know, adjectives and stuff. It, it, I've, the, I recognized right away that some of that stuff that, that basically lead, a, that the, the, you know, the, the sort of, you know, shifted into victory gear. You know, it's like yeah. you get a lot of that when I say, hey, rewrite this, rewrite my bio, for example. I, I just did this as an experiment. I said, rewrite my bio, but do so in a really clever way. And it, and it did all of that. It went, you know, like rocket ship Robert, you know, went to the, you know, it's like, you know, it's, he's off to the moon of content marketing and content strategy. You know, it's oh like, oh dear. Okay. Well, that's how it defines clever. Right. So I think there's a lot of things to get worked out here and, and it'll get better. It will just, it will continue to get better. And, you know, this is, these are some of the experiments that we're going to continue to see sort of as spaghetti gets thrown against the wall and, a lot of this stuff is not going to – the fascinating thing will be, to me, and this goes right back to the original story we just, we just talked about, is how much of that crap that doesn't get caught or doesn't get reduced becomes part of the ongoing learning model for, for the LLM oh, I, going and, and forward, it, it right? It, it, already, it yeah. already is, yeah. which is crazy. It's learning off of content. It's already generating. So you're <laughs> – it's yeah. just, it's, it's fun. It just reminds me, and we talked about this, I don't know, six months ago. But remember when this is 2013 at Content Tech and Claire McDermott and I were having that conversation. It was a big article from the New York Times that said, oh, that's is right. it AI that's right. or yeah. not? Right. Is it computer right. generated or not? And she said, we will not to put Claire under, not to throw you under the bus or anything, but she said, well, human content will always be better. We'll always be able to tell. And of course she went through and she couldn't tell. Yeah. And at that time, that's 10 years ago. That's right. Can you imagine the difference from 10 years to now and then what it'll be like in 10 years? Yeah. I mean, the way that I look at when somebody says there'll always be humans needed in content creation, I would say needed. No. Wanted. Maybe. I mean, so there, there will always be, I think, an opportunity for humans to be part of the content creation process. And maybe there should be. But 99.2% of all the content in five to seven years will be electronically generated. Yeah. It will not be touched by a human being once the, the, the AI is set. Certainly, it's a horrible yeah. thing to say, but I no, it's just certainly informative content, right? You know, the, the 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 you know what I call constructed content, right? So user manuals and how tos and factual and sports write ups and you know covering political races. I, and, I think the same know, about novels too, though. You know, I, I really do. I don't. I, no, I'm not sure about that. I, I yeah. think that you're that, gonna be able that's to, where I'm not sure. I think you're going to be able to go to your generator and say, "I really would like an amazing." Uh, novel set in Nantucket or Sandusky, Ohio, that this something like this, ha write me something <laughs> and you're going to get it and you're going to read it. And you're like, wow, that was, that was amazing. I'm going to have chat GPT write the Sheboygan Chronicles is what I'm going to I'm going to, yeah, I think I've changed my mind. I'm going to move from Sandusky, Ohio to Sheboygan. Yeah. There uh, from, you go. from the setting of my next. Novel. I, 
I like it. Hey, should we take a? We should take a question yeah. from our wonderful we audience here. Before we we yeah. uh, okay, so this is from Annie. Annie Schiffman. Annie Schiffman. I a love long time listener. Annie, are you okay? Are uh, you okay, let's, Annie? Let's Annie, are you okay? He says, if we get this to work. Hi there, Robert and Joe. This is Annie Schiffman from Downstage Media. And here's a question about LinkedIn that's been on my mind. So I know that a lot of CEOs and founders and executives want to show up regularly on LinkedIn, but they don't want to take the time to write their LinkedIn posts So they hire someone else to strategize and create and schedule those posts. So that way, all they have to do is say, okay. But my question is, is this disingenuous in a sort of like Cyrano de Bergerac, Millie Vanilli sort of way? Like, I hate (laughs) to think that thought leaders that I follow are simply just approving a post, approving posts that I thought they'd written and somebody else actually wrote. But on the other hand, like I get how difficult it is to show up regularly on social and hiring someone else who can do it better is kind of what delegating is all about. So and and then it gets me thinking, like, how much different is it really from using templates or swipe files or AI? So I'm wondering what your point of view is on this situation. Thank you so much. Uh, a great question, Annie. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to. So I I was you and Annie had a conversation on we did uh, an email through this. And yeah, we you did had a wonderful answer. And and why don't you share kind of your thoughts? Well, what I told Annie was so I have I look at this through sort of three lenses of comfort, um, and it really depends on where your comfort level falls in terms of the work you want to do or the work that you want to delegate. Um, and the three lenses are one, for example, how, and, and it's funny, it was ironic because I have a, I have had a social media, uh, assistant, a person, not an AI, a, a, an assistant who has worked for me for the last, I don't know, five years. Um, and she recently took another job and, and so I'm actually doing it on my own again for the, but that lens is everything that is, on you know a longer post on LinkedIn or any social media platform because I don't Facebook for me and Instagram for me are just personal. I, the only business stuff is on LinkedIn really and Twitter, and so any long post is all me. I I create it, I write it, etc. Any reply is all me. I I reply. I do all replies, but she helps me curate all of my quote unquote best of or my greatest hits, if you will. And that's what we typically put as part of our editorial calendar. She also helps me curate external, finding the external stuff that I share. Um, we meet and we talk um, and we talk about putting together an editorial calendar for uh, a given month and away we go. And she actually pushes publish and works with Buffer and does all the stuff. But we work on it sort of in a con- uh, you know a co-created way, if you will. I find that fine and probably most people will find that fine. The second lens is then, okay, where you go – all right, we want to help a thought leader create content. And I used to do this um, with my CEO back in the day, who, an extraordinarily smart guy, um, but didn't write, didn't have time to write, didn't, didn't, wasn't going to write. But I w- really wanted him to have the occasional blog post, the occasional uh, uh, video, the occasional white paper uh, authored by him because he was a very, you know, very thoughtful person, but he was never going to write that because he just doesn't have the time. So what I would do is I would have one of my marketing managers interview him, or I would have him leave me a long, literally a long voicemail on his commute home about what's on his mind. What is he thinking about? What's he talking about? What's he, you know, just literally vomit up his thinking. And then I would have the writer basically form and create a good blog post or a good paper or both out of that, show it to him, say, does this meet your standards? He'd say, yes, no, change this, change that. And then away we would go. And maybe that's where your level of discomfort starts to get a little bit weird, you know, because, okay, there's, that's maybe right for some people, but not all people to be able to do that. Cause that does get a little Cyrano. I, I can, I can see that argument, but for me, that still is okay. And then it's that third level that I think you're really getting to, which is Basically, you turn it over to somebody. You turn your voice over to somebody on social media. There's a, 
almost every big celebrity that you know of is that's them, right? So that's they're basically big celebrities. They have teams of people who respond for them, who post for them, who basically act as, you know, extensions of their PR and comms team and basically are just them. Now there's also executives who do this and I totally don't think that's the right way to use social media. I think if you're going to use social media, you've got to have some level of participation in it. So I think you've got to find your level of comfort in terms of what it is you're doing. That second level I know is a, is a little, uh, is a little interesting or, or sort of debatable, if you will. But I don't find that to be bad because, in other words, the ghostwriter or the creation of it, as long as the original originator's thoughts um, and they respond and they, they do the things, you know, in other words, the, the way we used to do responses to those, that CEO, by the way, was to say, Hey, listen, here are the responses. What do you think? And what would you say? And then yep. we would actually do it for him. So that's just, that's to me is delegation is okay. So those are the three lenses I typically look at it through. Yeah. And when you mentioned ghostwriters, we know you and I know a lot of ghostwriters and they, yeah, for sure. Painstaking work to talk and work with and get an idea of who the person is that they're writing for. That's so right. That they can, they can speak, talk, create just like they, like they would. And then generally it's reviewed by that person too. Exactly. So in that case, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. So there you go. That's, that's well, my answer. That was a great answer. Oh, thank you. Very thought, thoughtful. No, that was a great question. I mean, Annie Three had a great question. areas. Yeah. There should be a blog post. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's just on this on this podcast. And it's just on this. It's the value you get exclusively. Exclusively. I'm listening to this. On the Chronicles of Sheboygan. If you're, yeah, if you're 56 <laughs> minutes in. Yeah. You get this kind of value. On, That's right. On this old marketing. All that right. is right. That is right. Okay, so we have now rants and raves where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like it's the beginning of NFL weekend or yeah. that, um, you know, I think your Browns are going to be better than 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 you think they're going to be. I, I've been watching them and I, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going. I think they're going to take Cincinnati this weekend. I put it that way. Um, history says no. Okay. <laughs> I, I I'll be there. <laughs> I will be there, and I okay. will root. And I thought I you will... were gonna. I thought you were gonna. You were gonna do the opposite, right? You were gonna be. You were gonna pull a George Costanza and sort of no, do I'm the opposite. No, of... I, I'm there. I'm, I'm okay. A, I'm a hundred percent fan, but okay. I'm. I know. Be Cleveland fans know this. You were just internally negative about every I see. result right. possible. It's been. It's been. You know, we haven't had a championship, a Super Bowl ever. Yeah, we we won the last non Super Bowl, Cleveland Browns. But that's since right. Then, uh, all right, it's been, it's been a long time. But I, what do you got? You, you want to go? Do you want to go first, or shall I go first? Yeah, I'll, real quick. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I just and I'll, I'll let me see if I can I'm bring this up, and it's really not necessary to to show it. But uh, you know, here's the the LinkedIn verification. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but you can verify not only you, the person, the human being on LinkedIn, but you can verify where you worked and when you worked there and those types of things. But all I've done so far for verification is verified that it is me. And you go in there and it says it's very, you know, when you click on, cause under my, um, you go to Joe Polizzi and I'll say, Oh, it's verified. And then you click on it. It's a verified by clear. And I want to get your take on it. Cause you're a clear member as well. So mm -hmm. I'm a clear member. I became a clear member because I do so much, um, travel through the, through the air and, depending on how long the lines are sometimes it's very necessary if i'm running late or i need to get through security quickly clear is amazing um actually we get it with as part of our american we get it at package as part of our american express platinum business partnership so it works out really well from that standpoint and then i learned recently that linkedin has this, had this partnership with clear i think they have a partnership with a color couple other identity entra uh leno what is it uh there's a couple other ones. Maybe you know. Oh, Adhar, Entra, uh, LinkedIn, Workplace Verification with LinkedIn Learning. Anyways, mm -hmm. I love this whole idea of social media and verification. I think it's necessary. I think most people will have to do it at some point. Clear makes it very easy. It took me like two minutes to get verified. But you did not have that kind of experience. I haven't so. yet. I mean, so I, I learned about this weirdly while I was traveling, and this could have been the reason. Um, so I learned about this while I was traveling a month and a half ago or two months ago. I learned about the LinkedIn thing and uh, clicked on the link, 
uh, took me to Clear, and it wanted me to create a new Clear account. I already have. I've had a Clear account for years. So there was nowhere to log in, and I was like, well, okay, I'll log in to Clear. So I logged into Clear and then went back and clicked the link again, thinking, okay, now it'll recognize me as a as a, as a member. And it didn't, it's, it just would not let me do it without creating a new clear account. But it sounds like that has been either remedied or I was, you know, or user error on my part. So. Yeah, it, it was, it was super easy to do. So if you, yeah. I would just say, if you have a clear account, go ahead and get verified. It doesn't cost anything to do that. Um, I would imagine that more and more, uh, maybe meta will get into this this side of it. I mean, they're doing their own form of verification because you're paying for it. Uh, and you're sort of paying for it this way because if you're a clear member, I'm not sure how that works or if there's any money changing hands from that standpoint. But I just like well, the fact. It probably because, is a little bit, yeah. Well, and this is important to me because, and we've talked about this before, I've had multiple accounts out there where people are pretending to be me and it's really bothersome. Yeah, I mean, that, that more than anything else, I think it bothers me when somebody else I know is having a conversation it's supposed to be me, but it's not me. And they really are like hit hard by it. It's like, Oh my God, I was talking to you, but it wasn't you. I'm like, this is just horrible. So anytime that we can get this verification that works, I'm all for it. And at some point, I think most of us in the world will be verified in some way. And this is one way to do it. Yeah. Well, and and clear needs a good story right now because they just had a big F up at the, Oh, I uh, I didn't hear about that. Oh yeah. They had a, they had a whole issue where, People were getting in. They had a. I mean, it, I mean, for the TSA, this is a big issue. For you know, for for the FAA and TSA, this is a big deal. Where they had like two or three people who got in through Clear, basically without showing anything. They 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 were not. They got in through Clear, but weren't Clear members basically. But got you know oh. got through anyway. And so for a while, I don't. It may still be the case, but for a while at L, at LAX anyway, you had to if you even if you used Clear, you had to show all your IDs and stuff. And so okay. they need some, you know, they need some good press and they, so they need, they need more and more of this kind of stuff, you know, the stadium stuff, the, you know, access to other areas to keep relevant and keep people wanting to pay 150 the, bucks a the year. Verification. So. Yeah. Like if, and it's getting there a little bit where clear is moving into the different stadium atmospheres, but that is, yeah. that is a real benefit. If you can skip the line and not have to worry about the, and, and really you don't even need an ID. Yeah, you, you just need whatever. Like I use my eyes. I don't know what you use when you go through clear, but it's my yeah, eyeballs. eyes. Yeah, yeah and I always sure. and I just happen to always take my eyeballs with me, so yeah. I never have to have to worry about <laughs> That's that. Good. That's so nice. <laughs> That's so nice. One of you thing. Hey, to bring I your eyes a, with you. Yeah, I forget a lot of stuff these days. So <laughs> I mean, there's one less thing I have to worry about. I just have to be me. I and left. Yeah, a, I'll get in. I, I, I forgot my belt, <laughs> but I remembered my eyes. That's always a good thing. It's very true. All right, what yeah. do you what do you got? You, uh, you know, you, I have. There's a rant. What is yours? It's more just commentary than anything. Um, so basically, the and what we'll link to in the show notes is a is an article from Axios. <clears throat> so for those of you who live in an area where you're served cable television through Charter Spectrum, or just Charter, um, basically you you don't have access to any of the Disney channels at the moment. Um, there's been a big blackout um, caused by the fact that uh, Charter and Disney are fighting. Um, so you can't get access to ABC, ESPN, FX. Um, basically, uh, they are, they're blacked out and they're blacked out here in LA. So of course, being LA, being Hollywood and all of that, it's causing quite the controversy as the folks yeah. in you the UK might say um, and basically this the the interesting thing to me and why this is interesting to to pay attention to is because and the and the Axios article covers this is like this is kind of the canary in the coal mine for basically cable television becoming irrelevant because it kind of doesn't matter right it you know you, and, and Charter is basically saying, hey, listen, you need to, you know, re- reprice your bundle, you know, and the bundle being probably ABC, ESPN, FX, blah, blah, blah. And they serve it the way, by the way, the way the cable TV business works and has worked for 40 or 50 years is if you're in the, you know, if you're Viacom or if you're, you know, you, you basically bundle up or HBO or, you know, any of the, the, the big media companies, you bundle up your properties, you bundle up your channels, and then you basically sell them on a 10-year contract to the, the cable companies. And so the cable companies would pay for a license to carry 
uh, you know, ABC, ESPN, FX, or in the case of HBO, it might be HBO and Cinemax and, you know, yada, yada, all the rest of it. Showtime, when I worked at Showtime, uh, it was Showtime and MTV and, and VH1 and all the Viacom channels. But basically, that's the way it works. And so when those contracts come due, they renegotiate them, of course, and they're usually on 10-year sorts of agreements. But basically, they've not been able to come to an agreement, and, and so they're blacked out at the moment. And so the, the interesting thing is, is that Disney, there's now class action lawsuits going on in some places in Florida, for example, because Disney is saying, hey, listen, we offered to you know, basically extend it and while we try and negotiate this out. And Charter's basically playing hardball here, and I think really mistakenly doing so. Um, it's clear that Charter wants out of the cable TV business. They are really focusing on their uh, internet business. Yeah, the internet mobile business is where they're really focused in on now. So this could be, literally, this could be the tipping point where cable TV actually goes starts to go away in any meaningful way. And it just happened to coincide with fascinating... I'm, I'm a DirecTV, so this doesn't affect me at all here living in L.A. because I, I subscribe to DirecTV for the moment. But this weekend, I cut off just about, I mean, I cut off everything but the most basic services on DirecTV. And the reason why is because I'm just, I, I'm not watching it anymore. I'm only watching streaming stuff pretty much and on yeah. the internet. And so I, I kind of don't need cable TV or DirecTV anymore. And especially now that NFL Ticket is on YouTube, I'm kind of done with DirecTV as well. So... That's a, it's just a fascinating data point for me, and I think it plays into the same thing I was talking about last week and the week before with the writer strike and the actor strike, which is the media model, the business model of media is fundamentally shifting, uh, and those that are fighting that, uh, you should be careful what you're asking for because you'll probably get it, and and that is that's the the fascinating thing to me about this. Charter may get what they they're asking for but it probably isn't what they ultimately want yeah it's interesting um you know as charter makes their move into a new business model and get away from television i saw a sign the other day you know remember adp this home security company sure yeah for that's sure. been rocked by ring yeah and all these other home camera systems adp is now getting into the solar business yeah, which I was shocked by, but I'm like, okay, well, you have a customer base that doesn't want your security service anymore. What do you do? And they're like, we got to do something, right? It's just, it's just crazy how these companies are shifting. It's all, models. it all goes back to Theodore Levitt, you know, understanding what business you're really in. Yep. What business are you really in? We we talked about this when we were looking at the HVAC business, right? Are you in the air conditioning business? Or are you in the home comfort business, right? right? So yes. energy yeah. efficiency, like what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, that's exactly. right. So good, 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 good stuff. All right, what do you got this week? You're well, back. You're working. I'm work. Well, I'm working, but you're right. It's it's the home opener. Uh, yeah, and, and we're gonna we're gonna be there in force, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I we really need a win. It's, yeah, it's going to be great. I, I, I predict a Browns win. I predict a Browns win this this weekend. It will. It will because I think what I what I predict them. I think I predicted them at seven and ten this year. Yeah, I believe. And you did twelve and five for the Cowboys. Uh, yes. Wh- who do the Cowboys yeah. have this weekend? Giants. They open at the Giants. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a tough. Great one. game. Yeah, great game. Sunday night. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Got the right. got the burgers ready. It's going to be. It's going to be. Oh, I'm, I'm all set. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, back to NFL season. That okay, is it. Everyone, get ready. Less it, marketing. More that's football right. Talk. More football. <laughs> <laughs> and for all of you who hang out for that, we really appreciate you. But we appreciate everything uh, about you. And thank you so much, listener questions. Please bring those on. Basically, everything that you do, thank you so much for doing it. And until we see you next week, just remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.